Welcome to this pop-up podcast series, Magic and Mayhem, Discover the Secrets to Creating a Magnificent Book for Kids and Teens, with the Australian Writers' Centre, one of the world's leading centres for writing courses. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre, and through this series, I have the privilege of bringing you a curated group of wonderful authors who all specialise in writing for children. As this podcast series rolls out, you'll hear from authors who specialise in picture books, chapter books, middle grade fiction, and young adult books. Some writers write across all of those age groups. And finally, we also hear from publishers of children's books, so you'll get a great overview of the whole industry. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're interested in writing for one or several of those age groups. But make sure you listen to them all because you'll discover ideas and techniques that can apply to your own creative process from all of them. In this episode, we're going to hear from Australian picture book author Zanny Louise. Zanny's first book, Too Busy Sleeping, was published in 2015, and since then, she's gone on to publish several books for children. She has another five due out in 2019, including two more books in her popular Tiggy and the Magic Paintbrush series. What's really interesting is that Zanny started off blogging about picture books before she started writing her own manuscripts. She read dozens and dozens of books with her children and reviewed them on her site. You'll always hear successful authors say, read, 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 and that's true for picture books too. It really is the best way to learn your craft. It was through her blog that Zanny connected with other parents, writers, and eventually publishers. And in fact, as Zanny tells Alison Tate in this interview, who is my co-host in our regular podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, that's how the two of them met. One of the early stories that Zanny wrote would go on to become Too Busy Sleeping, which was beautifully illustrated by Anna Pignataro. As you'll hear, a lot of work goes into perfecting a picture book, and Zanny has worked closely with illustrators and editors to make each one a masterpiece. As well as being a children's author, Zanny is also one of our super talented presenters at the Australian Writers' Centre. If you'd like to learn how to create your own picture book masterpiece under the guidance of Zanny or one of our other amazing presenters, check out the highly in-depth course, Writing Picture Books. Just go to writerscentre.com.au slash picture books to find out more. That's writerscentre.com.au slash picture books. Now watch out, this interview does contain mocktails, socktails and champagne. Enjoy. Zanny Louise writes warm stories for children with a twist of quirk and sprinkle of humour. Her first picture book, Too Busy Sleeping, with Anna Pignataro, was long-listed for the 2016 CBCA Book Awards. Archie and the Bear, illustrated by highly acclaimed international illustrator David McIntosh, will be released this week. Zanny's four-book series for independent readers, Tiggy and the Magic Paintbrush, will be released in 2018. So Zanny Louise is very, very busy. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you for having me on the podcast. All right, so let's start way back when. We'll go back in the way back machine. When did you decide you wanted to try writing picture books? Well, it was like a lot of writer's story, quite a organic um, process. So I've always 
loved writing and enjoyed it as a child and written lots of stories all through school and university and after university and work. But it wasn't until I moved up to the Northern Rivers where I live now in New South Wales, um, having finished full-time work because I was going to have a baby, that I felt really driven to do something more creative. And so I was wandering around with my baby who needed a lot of pushing in prams and uh, carrying in the sling. She was one of those sort of babies. And every time, uh, everywhere I walked, I sort of, my head would be filling up with stories and I, I really had a burning need to sort of start writing them down. And at that time, it was really short stories for adults. Um, and I joined a writer's group in Bangalore and that gave me the incentive to write every week and so, or every month really we had to present a story. But it was a great incentive to do that. And I started to go, going to courses and getting really, uh, the more things, the more I looked into it, the more excited I became about writing, the more sure I felt I really wanted to do this as a thing. And then I started a blog. And again, it was a very evolutionary, uh, is that the word? Um, evolving process. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started blogging and I got really, really into blogging just for the sake of blogging. And I was blogging about parenting stories and little funny things that were happening in our lives. And I really enjoyed that. And I loved the blogging community. And just out of the blue one day, a PR um, rep contacted me, as they do, and asked would I be interested in interviewing Mem Fox on my blog and doing a promotion for her new book. And I thought, oh, absolutely. I grew up on Mem Fox. Um, and so I got to do a, a written interview with her. And it just got me thinking, oh, well, maybe I could interview authors and uh, picture book or children's book creators on my blog and promote their books. And so I started to do that. And I was contacted the various publishers and asked them to send me books that I could review on my blog. And, uh, yeah, so every month I was getting tons and tons of books and it was really lovely because I've got two small children and they love listening to stories and we were reading lots of new stories all the time. And, yeah, so the more I did that, the more I really felt, well, this is what I want to be writing. This is where my passion really lies. And so I started playing around with well, at first, um, stories in verse and then, yeah, more sort of simple children's books, uh, story ideas. Yeah, so that's really where it began. So when you say you were playing around with ideas and things like that, were you just sort of writing entire books to see what that would look like? Were you, um, yeah. were you just sort of playing, like, yeah, maybe describe that process a little bit and then what did you do to then kind of take it to the next level? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the first story that kind of came in its entirety was a really silly story about a sock who wanted to break free from its ordinary life and uh, it sets off to find you know freedom and it ends up finding all these singular socks on a beach sipping mocktails <laughs> yeah, it was very silly <laughs> I <kinda laughs> but like it was it. now i know where they go that makes perfect yes sense. well They're that was right yeah. mocktails. okay exactly by the coast well, um socktails oh i like that um yeah so no <laughs> thank you yeah so that was i mean it was just a silly little verse story and um, I think uh, the second story I wrote was Too Busy Sleeping and it's obviously not the final uh, version that ended up as a book but it was definitely the first manuscript for that and that writing of those stories 
coincided with, again, a very fortuitous sort of, you know, thing that could happen um, was that through my blog, one of my blog readers was um, the managing director of Hardy Grant Egmont and she's a mum with a young family and she just had a child. She had a child around the same time as I had my second child and a friend of hers had said, oh, read Zenny's blog. She talks a lot about parenting things and so she started reading my blog and she really liked sort of the things I was writing about and at some point reached out to me to ask a question about um, a porticot, which I asked my community, and they they talk, you know, told me what the best porticot was, which incidentally is Phil and Ted's, apparently. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, and so that was a lovely sort of you know connection. But then she she wrote back and she said, "Oh well, thank you for that. And by the way, I'm a children's book publisher, and can I send you some books for your children?" I was like, "Oh my gosh, absolutely." And then when she sent the books, um, they were little hair books, and that's the publisher of um, Too Busy Sleeping and Archie and the Bear, um, and I love the books. And she also sent her business card, and I said to my husband, keep that card in your wallet, and let's never leave. And I, I said it to him because he tends not to lose things, <laughs> whereas I, I could, and I do. Um, anyway, so he looked after that business card for me. And it also gave me that little incentive to write those stories. So, yeah, so that original connection to publishing was through Natasha. How exciting. So, well, okay then. So how did you, how how long did you need to hold on to the business card before your first book, Too Busy Sleeping, came to be published? Uh, well, it actually wasn't that long because um, whilst I was having these thoughts in my head, oh, yes, I want to write children's books and I was playing around with stories, I had also put it out there on my Facebook community, which is linked to my blog, and I said, oh, I've just, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to write children's stories. And because Natasha read that comment, she then sent me a private message and said, um, I'd love to see your manuscripts, Annie. And so that's really, it really was quite a short period of time. Wow. Um, yeah. But then the, the publishing of the book, as you would know, took a few years. All right, so let's talk about that then. Can you tell us a little bit about what that process to publication was? Like, was there anything about that process that surprised you? Like, how did it, how did it come mm -hmm. about? Well, it was all very exciting, as you, you know, as you all would know. Um, yeah, so every, every email that came, I'd be waiting on these emails um, from the publisher and, and they would sort of say, Look, yeah, we love it and we'll let you know in a couple of months or we'll let you know soon. And then a couple of months would go past and then maybe a few months and, you know, every time you open your inbox, your heart rate accelerates <laughs> with excitement. Um, and, yeah, but it does take a long time. And so there was a bit of back and forth between um, the publisher and myself um, until uh, – so the first um, point was getting, you know, the, to the point that she liked the manuscript and then it was basically an editing process. So we went back and forth, back and forth. Um, three or four times, and and, and my this publisher. Is just on the text, right? This is just back yeah, and forth. purely and on the text. How yeah. many words are we talking? It was. It started off about five hundred and ended up being about three hundred and fifty. Okay. And it was intensive editing. Um, so Margreta Lamont, who is my publisher at Little Hair, she is an amazing editor, um, and she was very very generous with her editing. You know suggestions and her process and she she did it all through track changes and so she she showed me you know what she was doing and how how she was thinking basically as she worked through my text so for a first time author that was an amazing gift really because I got to see the way she works and I got to you know 
do that to my story. And, and it really was, you know, an amazing insight into how that all works. Um, and, and, yeah, she still does that, um, but maybe to a lesser extent with um, more recent manuscripts because I'm trusted to do that a bit more myself. But, um, yeah, so that it was really fantastic. So that went, mm, I can't really say, maybe several months and then and then it had to go to acquisitions um so that's the sales team and it had to be acquired oh, and right. so, so this was all before it was acquired you did like mm-hmm. so you were doing some intensive work before it even got exactly you know, through the sales yeah. meeting. okay yeah and that's not always the case but yeah this is this all happened before acquisitions so once Magretta was happy with the manuscript it went through acquisitions and then um yeah, and so then that process, uh, so then I waited another couple of months to find out what the result of that was and as in, a, you know, very sort of high drama um, story or movie, uh, the meeting get, kept getting put back, put back for various reasons. <laughs> so every time, every month I'd think, oh, this is it. Yeah, it was another month and so, yeah. But anyway, when I finally got that email to say, yes, it's been acquired and we've decided to pair you with Anna Pignataro and I loved her work. So it was very exciting. All right, champagne so, was drunk. <laughs> Much champagne, I'd imagine. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that process of working with Anna because, of course, you're a first-time author at this stage and you've not done any of this stuff before. Did you have any understanding of what it would like, be like to work with an illustrator and, like, what was your role? Like, once the text, they were happy enough with the text to put it through acquisitions, was there a lot of changes to the text beyond that or, like, did you – you know, because we've interviewed picture book authors in the past and they talk a lot about, you know, leaving room in the text for illustrations and things like that. Was that something that you had to, like, then work through with Anna as well or was had, had you done that work beforehand? Mm. With um, Little Hair, you tend to do that work beforehand. So Magretta's got a great vision um, and so she really – uh, part of her process, I think, is when she receives a manuscript, she can visualise it as, you know, with images and, and quite often the particular illustrator, you know, will be visualised as well. Um, so that's a big part of her process. Um, so usually by the time it's gone to acquisitions, uh, the text is fairly much ready and there, there might be a little bit of tweaking. Um, but, yeah, leaving room for illustrations is very important. So, uh, And also with my um, future manuscripts for Five Mile, um, that they will also be illustrated. Um, and so... That is, um, it's a similar process. So quite often the editor um, will say, uh, well, this line could be expressed through pictures, so let's just drop that. You know, so that, that is a big part of the editing is, is definitely leaving room for the images. Is that difficult as an author in the sense that, particularly like, like the Tiggy and the Magic Paintbrush are, is uh, sort of, you know, early readers. So, I mean, as, a, as an author, you know, your job is to, get everything on the page isn't it like it's to mm-hmm. kind of write all the things so that the reader can be exactly where they need to be and when you're dealing with very early readers like that um word choice and uh all of that sort of stuff is so important so um how how do, is is it a case of okay well then I'm just going to trust the editor and the illustrator are going to get this and they're going to do it or how does that mm-hmm. work yeah I mean that is a big maybe it's just because I am um quite in the early stages of my career, but I really have a lot of trust in all those people mm. and it's a huge privilege to work with all those people because the way I see it is, um, say, Magretta has had 
many decades worth of experience working in you know very big publishing houses and I really do trust her um, her judgment and it's the same with Anna Pinataro she's done well over 60 books um, and so she really knows what she's doing and David McIntosh really knows what he's doing so yeah it's a, I, I do have a lot of trust that um, they will get get what I what I mean and and to give you a good example actually um, so I've recently signed a contract with Scholastic for a picture book and the the manuscript for that is 50 words or less um, and many of those words are repeated um, so it's a very very minimal text and I really felt well if I just sent that as a text to someone I think it would have been lost completely yeah. but um, because I'm a fairly visual person myself um, I don't intend to illustrate my own books but what I did was a line drawing of each uh, spread um, to indicate sort of what was going on in oh, in each okay. in each thing, and I wouldn't do that for everything, but for this manuscript, it was particularly important. But I've found that that sort of sketching out my stories as I write them has liberated them quite a lot, and it really does mean a lot of it can be said through images rather than just through the text. All right, so let's talk about what happened next after Too Busy Sleeping came out, was long-listed for the CBCA Book Awards in 2016. Everybody's cheering. It was fantastic. What happened after that? <laughs> um, yes, it was exactly like that. Um, yeah, so actually it was, I think it was the day Too Busy Sleeping was released on the shelves. I got um, an email from my Greta at Little Hair to tell me that um, Archie and the Bear had been acquired by oh, Hardy Grant. That's a so, big day. Yeah, it was a big day. It was very exciting. 1st of September, 2015. Um, <laughs> Mark it in your calendars, people. <laughs> put it, yes, historic event. Um, yeah, so actually, so after Too Busy Sleeping had come out, oh, sorry, been acquired, um, so there was about – two or three years between the point of acquisition and when it was released. Wow. So that was two and a half years of me developing other stories. And I can honestly say I wrote, I don't know, over 100 manuscripts. Doesn't mean there any any of them are worth publishing. But, you know, I wrote many, many stories in that time. And I had sent several of them to, to my publisher um, and uh, – yeah, they were met with sort of varying degrees of enthusiasm. But then I sent one, which was Archie and the Bear, and I got an email back that day saying um, that she loved it. And, yeah, so if, it didn't take that long, actually, to go through acquisitions. Right. So it was just a matter of you sort of trying different things to see, yeah. you know, what was going to be the right thing. And did you ever have moments, so when you were, as you said, it, there, these things are being received with varying degrees of enthusiasm, <laughs> did you have a moment where you thought, I can't, I can. I'll never be able to write another one. I'm never mm -hmm. going to have another book. I'm a one book wonder. Is that? Mm -hmm. did, you, did you have those thoughts? I've had that thought many times. Um, yeah. So first, uh, it wasn't until you know some time after uh, I'd first written Too Busy Sleeping that I realised that I could pitch more stories. I sort of thought, oh, I've got to wait for that book to come out and then I can do some more. But really, that's really going to be a very slow career. Um, i got to get cracking. Um, so that's when I started sending things. And my first story, I really thought, oh, I think my publisher really liked this. And, yeah, she didn't mind it. But, you know, it wasn't – I could tell that it wasn't the same uptake as, as the other ones. So um, yeah, at first I was a little bit um, – 
worried about my ability to do it. Um, but then I just kept on going and I thought, well, look, I'm, I, I enjoy writing. Stories are coming to me constantly. I'm just going to keep writing them down. And the more I write them down, you know, the, the looser you become, I suppose, and the more uh, freely you write. Um, and so that was what was happening. So then when, you know, I wrote Archie, it really sort of came quite easily and it was a really lovely process to write that story. Um, and, yeah, but since then, I, I, you know, although I've written many, many, many things since then, um, uh, yeah, particularly last year, I had about 10 or so months of, yeah, a little bit, you know, a, a lot of quiet from the publishers and I was getting a little bit worried about my ability to make this a, you know, a purposeful career. Um, but as it turns out, you know, it's just publishing. Things are a bit slower um, and eventually I heard back from all those publishers and uh, several of them turned into acquisitions. So, yeah, patience is definitely a virtue. Um, so you said that you've just recently signed a contract for a picture book with Scholastic. Um, is, mm -hmm. Do you act as your – like are you submitting your, your stuff all yourself or do you have an agent now or how does that work for you? No, I do it all myself. Um, and, yeah, is it fortunate in Australia you can do that because I do have American friends who can't do that and they are quite astounded that that's possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been quite lucky, I guess, um, I think part of it is uh, having a very strong Facebook and blog type presence, you know, like I'm, I'm constantly chatting away on there and a, a lot of those connections are linked to the industry. Um, so, yeah, and, and it was just a bit, yeah, so at some point um, with, with Scholastic that was really through a connection through Anna Pignataro because she's um, published by Scholastic. So, mm. yeah, I, I think that's sort of more possible in Australia that you can do that. And did you find the process of publication different the second time around with Archie and the Bear? Was that a, uh, you know, was it did it follow the similar pattern to the first or were there any changes? Um, yeah, there was, a, well, there was a lot less editing on Archie and the Bear. That was, and that was really just sort of incidental. Like I've had other manuscripts which have been heavily edited again since then. Um, it was just particularly that story. But, uh, I mean, that went through quite quickly compared to Too Busy Sleeping. Yeah, it just varies from situation to situation. Mm, okay. Now, your new your four book series for independent readers. No, this is like how does it differ to writing for picture books? Like they're two quite different because with mm. picture books you're writing not only for children but you're writing for adults to read to children. Whereas yeah. this early reader is for independent readers. You know, so that yeah. your your audience is you know basically kids who are learning to read. So how you know was that a challenge to go in that direction for you? Like how does it differ the writing process? Um, well, books. Mm, yes, it is very different. Um, so initially um, when I aspired to do this sort of writing, so writing for a slightly older age group, um, and I, I, I was interested in it because uh, Danny Parker, who is another little hair author, mm. he has he'd written – Oh, wonderful. Yes. He'd written um, Lola's Toy Box and it had been released and I read it and I thought, oh, that's great. Um, I wonder if I can write um, series and he's slightly older than Tiggy's, um, the Tiggy books. But um, 
So I, I wrote something and it was about a 3D printing machine basically that goes a bit AWOL. Um, and <laughs> I, I submitted that um, manuscript or a few manuscripts, I think, to uh, Hardy Grant Egmont who deal with the fiction side of um, our publishing house. And, yeah, and they were very uh, lovely about it. And, again, there was intensive editing and the, the editor there was very generous with her feedback and with her suggestions. And we sort of went back and forth several times and it felt like, yeah, this is really I'm, – I'm learning something each time and a lot of it was about refining the idea, having a very strong premise and also – writing very simply without writing and and I sort of had a tendency to write quite quaintly you know a bit like Winnie the Pooh mm. and that's that's lovely but it's it's it, you know it's not really today mm. um so that was something I needed to kind of eke out of my system a bit just having been raised on things like that um yeah so the more I did it the more refined it got and it was set, certainly um short sentences simple words um in the case of Tiggy, which will be highly illustrated, yeah, leaving a lot um, for the illustration uh, for the illustrator. Um, funny was important, and I think that the more I write and the more I develop my voice, I think it is leaning towards funny, uh, humoristic type writing. So for me, that wasn't impossible. Um, but yeah, it was just practice, really, and and also the constant suggestions from firstly the editor at um, Hardy Grant Egmont, and then later from Five Mile. The editors there were wonderful and really helped me refine those um, manuscripts. So your writing process sounds quite organic. Um, I'm not getting the sense that you are a, a planner necessarily of a story arc, etc. But is that not the case? I mean, are you? Are well. You a <laughs> with picture books not really um it's really organic um and yeah these days I'm using that sketching um style to kind of capture the story a framework and I'll do it um so it's really like you're creating the skeleton so in a way it's a bit like planning um before you sort of write the story out I first sort of sketch it out mm-hmm. um the the tiggy books follow a little bit of planning like there's the premise is very strong um i you know i know that the problem and i know roughly how it will be resolved um but yeah again i write it quite organically it's not like a you know point by point event you know narrative um but last year i was and i was just experimenting really but i wanted to write some a longer fiction and i started doing courses and things like that and i you know, because I am sort of a, a pantser, um, I was looking into how to be more of a planner because what I was finding by being a pantser was that just writing, 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 I'd get to about 10,000 words and then I would just hit a wall mm. every time. And I did that sort of four or five times last year. And it, uh, the, and the idea would just completely die. And I think, oh, this is just boring or this is just, I don't know where this story's going and blah, blah. And I just immediately lose heart. But then I went to, um, I think it's called the snowflake method, which is pretty much the opposite of my writing style. And I did like a, a refined version of that, which was basically to do an outline um, synopsis of for each major character. And by doing that, I then, uh, when I did have a bit of time to sit down and write something in my organic type fashion, it just flowed out like a, yeah, it was amazing. Because um, you knew where everyone was going and what they were doing. Uh, 
Yeah, and right. it did change a little bit along the way. But, yeah, it was really wonderful. It was really liberating. It was like, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. So I think I'm a, yeah, a bit of a combination. I find a lot of authors are, like it's that, it's definitely a, you know, and you've got to find out which percentage of which you are to kind of really, as you say, hit that sweet spot where everything starts to just, you know, fall out of you, so to speak. Um, mm. that was, there's a pretty image for you right there. Maybe it'll put that in one of your books. Um, all right, so now you have a young family. As you said, you've got two, you know, young, youngish children, what, seven and four. Um mm-hmm. And you've also been traveling a fair bit because I do follow your blog and I follow your travels on your various social media, you know, mm-hmm. outlets. Um, so I must ask how you fit the writing in. How do you make that work? Yeah, well, I actually wrote a post about this on Friday. But, um, yeah, it's basically I just do. And ever since um, my first daughter, Elka, was born, I literally had her strapped to my stomach, chest or stomach or however it is, you know, hug a bub, and I'd sit on the gym ball and I would write because she was one of those babies who didn't lie down and sleep. So I literally had her on me most of the day. And then the same with my second child. And it was quite handy in a way because they had all their sleeps like that. And I just sat on the gym ball and wrote and did a little bit of bouncing here and there. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> was sort of, it was quite handy. You know, to, I had I did have time to do that in a sense. Um, and then, you know, kids do take up a lot of time. And um, my four-year-old isn't even at preschool at the moment. Um, you know, so I'm with her a lot. So there isn't a lot of time to write. But... I do find those little pockets here and there and um, my husband and I have always had quite flexible incomes in that we both work for ourselves uh, or we've both been casual. So, you know, it is possible to drop things and pick things up depending on, you know, what the situation is. And we've had periods of our lives which are just so crazy busy where we're renovating, we're both working like crazy and and those times I don't even attempt to write or, or maybe I just sort of jot a few things in a notebook. But, yeah, I don't put pressure on myself. But what I, with the travelling, though, that was fantastic because um, I think there is something about, being away from your home that does inspire a certain creativity or for me at least um and I uh yeah I was quite liberated and did have time to write um because I had a, a lot of family support over there and you know I wrote um you know, a novel, I don't know that will ever be published, but it was a middle, middle grade type novel. Um, but I wrote the whole thing, you know, whilst my family were busy holidaying at the lake and I was too, but I was sort of more concerned with writing. Mm. So, nice. yeah, I found that having that time was, you know, really amazing. So when I did have that time, I used it to its capacity. Do you think there's a misconception that writing shorter books, like be they picture books or early readers or whatever, is actually is easier yeah, it's definitely just different. Um, and I think there's there's more difficult things about it that don't necessarily um, meet the eye. Um, well, yeah, I've sort of explained the editing process has been intensive um, on the picture books and uh, it's, yeah, it's things you wouldn't think of, you know, just the sound of a word or um just rephrasing things in an original way, thinking of original way to phrase things. Find just having original ideas mm. um, is, you know, there's so many picture books and things out there. Like how do you make something which is different or how do you have an original idea? And I'm fortunate that I've got two young kids and so they are 
big source of inspiration. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. It's just different, I guess. And I, but I am interested in playing around with writing for different age groups of children, still children, but different age groups because I guess I want to challenge myself and I want to know if it is possible. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's just a different format. Um, now, as I mentioned, you and I met through blogging many years ago. What role do you think, I mean, you know, the blog has been quite instrumental in some ways in uh, getting your, well, your publishing break in a funny way over porticots. Um, <laughs> but like, do you, do you, what, what role do you think that the blog and your online platform in general has played in your kind of publishing journey, so to speak? Well, absolutely huge. Yeah. Like you mentioned, having that first contact um, and then when I did announce that Too Busy Sleeping was being published, it was just this outpouring of excitement mm-hmm. from um, various people in that community. So I was really amazed by how appreciative everyone was of it. And that's continued even, you know, up to now. And, yeah, so very supportive Um the actual contacts within that blogging community, so other bloggers like yourself, or, you know, people who I've met through blogging, either at conferences or just online, have been hugely important in that process, especially when it's come to marketing the books because mm. um, with Too Busy Sleeping, uh, well, I think this is just the case with publishing, you, know, you, you are expected to market your own books quite a lot um you know publishing houses don't have endless resources like so they're not going to be able to do a huge marketing campaign for every single book um so the more you can do yourself the better um and i what i did was i was already connected with australian blogging groups and so i put out messages in there and said would anyone be interested in reviewing my books and i got many 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 replies and from my own um, stock of books, I actually sent to just about everyone and with a very appreciative note. And I think most of them reviewed it on their blogs or various platforms. And that was very helpful. Mm. And I also put it out there, um, just a message to say, would anyone be interested in me coming to your town or your book sh- bookstore or your school, your preschool or your school? And I got a lot of uh, invitations that way. Mm. And so I did a really extensive blog tour, uh, book tour when Too Busy Sleeping came out. And uh, I've done that to a lesser extent with this book. But, yeah, it was, yeah, it was hugely proactive and a lot of that was coming through my blog and the contacts I've made through blogging. So do you, do you find that you kind of use your blog and your social media in the same way now as you used to or has it changed slightly now that you've uh, got books out yeah it's changed quite a bit um mm. so initially I was uh, initially my blog was heart mama and it was all really about parenting and mm. sort of lovely signs of parenting um and then when I found out about the picture book I did actually rebrand so to speak and changed it to my little sunshine house because I wanted it to be more about Mm, it was still about family but it was less focused on the actual style of parenting it was Mm. more about sort of family incidental things that were going on or things that I could relate somehow to pitch books and um, creativity was a big focus in that and now I've actually just moved my blog entirely I'm still blogging at my little sunshine house but I've as my children get older, as I, lots of bloggers find this, it gets harder to write those intimate family stories, I mm. find, you know, just for privacy reasons. But 
lots of other reasons. And so I, I find I've got less and less to say on that personal family blog. But I still want to write more and more about writing itself and about the process of writing. And so what I've done is started to blog on my author website. And already I'm getting lots of readers over there. Um, and I've made the – I'm targeting towards readers, uh, towards writers and want to be writers and readers of picture books and children's books. So, yeah, I find that's been really uh, definitely a big organic change. Um, yeah, but it's constantly evolving. And we find your uh, we find your website, of course, at zannylouise.com and we'll put the link in the show notes to that because there are some fantastic posts over there about writing and other things um, that you should probably have a look at. But also, I've reckon, and I know I've talked about this before, but your blog, your sorry, your website, your author website, is one of the nicer, most well organised uh, <laughs> author blogs that you know, or author websites that I visit on a regular basis, and. Um, I think that you know aspiring authors could would would be you know well advised to pop over and have a quick look at what Zanny's doing because um, it's simple and effective and I think that that's basically what we're looking for for from author websites these days um, and I also notice that you actually sell books directly from your website which is quite unusual um, for an author in some ways I'm just wondering you know why you set that up and how that kind of came about. I can't remember exactly why I did that initially, but um, I asked my publisher if that was possible, and it is. It was with little hair, um, and yeah, I guess I just wanted to give people another option because I have such a, um, a lovely, supportive online community. I just and they were constantly showing, you know, such yeah, saying such lovely things about the book and talking about where they could buy it, etc. And and you can buy it at most good bookshops. Um, but I guess I just wanted to give people another online option. Um, and it's a signed copy, so yeah. that's a, that's a difference. Yeah, which makes a big difference um, for a lot of people. Um, okay, so our last question for today is, of course, the famous three top tips for a star – not so famous <laughs> right now – three top <laughs> tips for aspiring writers. Well, I just wrote about this um, on Friday, so it's fresh in my head. But one of them is keeping your creativity close at hand. So what I mean by that is constant, even no matter how busy you are or no matter what you're doing in your life, keep being creative in no matter, you know, what function you can. So it's whether it's writing on the back of a serviette or scribbling down things in a notebook or writing in the mist of the on the mirror you know just keep doing little tasks constantly activates those creative muscles so then when you do have your pockets of time where you can write or do what it is you do um the the creative juices are already flowing and i find it's much easier to then produce something um, and so on that token, um, it's just constantly keeping an ear out or an eye out for ideas and potential ideas and every little innate moment in your life can become something, you know, bigger and can become a story, can become a fiction series. You know, there's so much opportunity, um, but it's about just attending to them. So. Um, I do tend to watch a lot of Netflix and I feel like it's sucking the juice out of life. Um, but, you know, I could pay my attention to Netflix or I could pay my attention, you know, to the possibility of story and I find that's, you know, will take me further in life. Um, yeah, so my third tip, hmm, 
I definitely think nurturing your relationships and your community is very important. Um, finding your your um, comrades. Um, I've got a couple of girls I write to on a weekly basis and we're very supportive of each other's work and our journey and it's very, very, um, you know, a fantastic thing for me. But also your online communities and your publishing contacts and attending conferences and really and, and not exhausting those contacts but really sort of nurturing them and, you know, giving back to that community. So, you know, like what I do on my blog, I like sharing writing tips. I like, you know, sharing my experiences and hope that helps other people. You know, so, yeah, really being an active member of those communities I think will benefit you to no end. Fantastic. All excellent tips. Thank you so much for your time uh, today, Zanny Louise. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Of course, Archie and the Bear is out this week. Uh, keep an eye out for it in all good bookshops or you can pop along to zannylouise.com and buy yourself a signed copy. Why would you not? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, best of luck with all of the many, many projects that you've got coming up. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Adaban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK, and other territories, and are perfect for young readers aged nine or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontate.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. So I think a lot of people might have been surprised to hear how much work goes into writing and editing a picture book, considering it's only a few hundred words. Zanny and her editor edited her first manuscript three or four times and they whittled it down from 500 words to 350. Some editors and writers edit their manuscripts even more than that. Now, when you edit down 500 words to 350, that's not a lot of space to tell a story. And of course, some of those words will be replaced by an illustration, and there's a skill in knowing what needs to be written and what can be said with a drawing. You don't have to be a super visual person to sketch out your picture book, as Zanny has done, but you do need to have a vision for the overall look and feel. Another skill that Zanny mentioned is perseverance. Can we call perseverance a skill? Well, I think it is. In the very long period between her book being acquired and published, Zanny wrote hundreds of manuscripts. Many of them will never see the light of day, but she persevered, kept writing and refining and pitched consistently. It's something that you'll hear again and again in the coming interviews. Keep writing, keep editing, keep sending out your work. Zanny also highlighted the importance of community. She established a strong author platform for herself and built a great network through her blog. She hasn't been afraid to really put herself out there, going to conferences, schools, preschools and bookstores, and it has definitely paid off for her. Who would have thought that persistence and networking would be such an important part of making picture books? So go forth and find your tribe and happy writing. You've been listening to Magic and Mayhem with the Australian Writers' Centre. For awesome writing tips, short story competitions and incredible courses that you can do in person or online, join our wonderful and friendly writing community. Maybe that's your tribe. The best way is to go to writercentre.com.au and sign up to our weekly newsletter. That's writercentre.com.au. 
Thanks for listening, everyone.